Welcome to Unconditional Love Fellowship with Bishop Malcolm Smith. This is episode number 37, recorded January 15th, 2013, The Encourager. For more information and more teachings by Malcolm Smith and Unconditional Love Fellowship, please visit www.malcolmsmith.org or check out the new ministry website at unconditionallovefellowship.com. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Networks and WebVision Graphics, providing quality, affordable websites and website hosting to your small business, church, ministry, or nonprofit organization. Get your free quote today by visiting www.webvisiongraphics.com. And now, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. And I want to look at a Bible character someone from the New Testament, and you may not have heard of him. I I think you have, but it's possible not. He's not one of the main characters of the New Testament, and yet he is one of actually almost the most important person there. Uh, We won't get to it today, but... um, He actually is the reason behind the entire New Testament being written. And yet he just is there in the background. And and so I want to talk about this important fellow. And the first text I look at is in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. And it says, And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas, by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. He was a Levite of the country of Cyprus, and having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That's a good enough place to begin because it's where the Bible begins with him. We have no record of him before those verses. And as I've already said, there's really not much even there when they introduce him. And so we've got to look a little deeper into this fellow. But let me say again, he is so important that uh, we need to understand this, that although he's in the background, you hear little of him And yet he is the real power behind those who are the famous ones of the New Testament. And so Barnabas, it tells me he was born with the name of Joseph. And from other parts of the scripture, trust me on this one, we don't have the time to go into these details, uh, but he was a very handsome shall I say, charismatic in the sense he seemed to be magnetic. Um, He was young and he was a successful businessman. And again, if we went into more detail, that would take time. He was part of a family that was very close in relationship to the family of Jesus in some way related to the Virgin Mary, some way interrelated with all those that made up the extended family of Jesus. And so he came to confess Jesus as Lord 
and Messiah and Savior very, very early on. I mean, we're here in chapter 4. Well, he's only got, uh, you know, from chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came, uh, so chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4, because he comes in at the end, only three chapters for this man to come to Christ. And the more we look at it, uh, it, it pushes it back to possibly even the day of Pentecost, but certainly very soon thereafter. And he had rapidly grown in uh, knowing that his distant relative was indeed the Lord, was indeed Son of God, God the Son, who had come to save and redeem, and he gave himself. He believed in the New Testament sense of the word, which means to trust in and rely on. To, to have my roots in, he trusted Jesus, and it came out in this very first introduction that we have to him. He is a man who puts everything where his mouth is. He, he speaks because he believes, and because he believes, he speaks, and there's action. And so the, the situation in Jerusalem, immediately after the day of Pentecost, uh, you had these thousands of persons who had come from all over the world to celebrate the day of Pentecost, a Jewish feast, in Jerusalem. But on that day of Pentecost, instead of celebrating the Jewish feast, they are confronted with Jesus alive and this company who burst out of an upper room filled with the Holy Spirit. They are arrested, and, and they are amazed because they hear these unlettered, these uh, undegreed fishermen from the Galilee speaking in languages they'd never learned. And these people from all over the world recognized the dialect and said, that, that's my tongue, that's my tongue. And, and, and they, they are speaking to us of the wonderful works of God. And so they forgot about the Jewish feast of Pentecost, and they are caught up in this, the very first announcement that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. But then they're not going to go home, you see. They, they've got a lot to learn before they go home. They want to know more of this Jesus. They want to be taught by the apostles. And so Jerusalem is now inundated with believers from all over the world who are not going home just yet. And so they begin to share their goods. The Jerusalem believers share what they have. These foreigners share their money, and there's a collective communal feeding and caring the one for the other as they learn the things of God. And Joseph... He sees the need that is there, and so he sells a large tract of land, and he takes all of the money and gives it to the apostles for them to do what has to be done in this gigantic uh, movement in Jerusalem, caring for the believers. That's our introduction to Joseph. But... He quickly 
forgot his name Joseph. They they nicknamed him. Now this this takes us right to the heart of this man. The nickname that they gave him. It was a Hebrew name. Well, of course, Joseph was a Hebrew name, and it tells us that he was a Levite. He was a, a very distinctive fellow. Uh his his place would have been in the temple uh, if and when everything was running as Old Testament had set up. And, and, and so he was a Hebrew to the core. And now they nickname him Barnabas, which is, I say, a Hebrew nickname. Bar, B-A-R, in Hebrew means son of. And Nabus, it now th- this is fascinating. The word Nabus is of the root Hebrew word. That that means if you go right down to where the word comes from, the root of the Hebrew word for love and for giving of oneself, giving love. It, that that root Nabus, and, and so. That they bring it over into the Greek world, and we brought it into the English world, and so it comes out Barnabas or Barnabas, and that means son of encouragement. He's the one who gives himself away in order to encourage, encourage. That that's very much an action. It's words that you speak. In some ways, it's just the way that you live and behave. And so he was nicknamed according to his lifestyle. They nicknamed him by a behavior that imprinted itself on the community. And whenever they saw him, they they forgot his name. All they remembered about him was what he did. They they remembered him by that, shall I say, the wake, like the wake of a great ship. Whenever this fellow passed through and talked with people here or, or acted there, he left behind encouragement People were lifted. They felt that they could now take on the world. And that's what they remembered. And so they called him son of encouragement. He's he's like the love of God giving himself away to all that are in his pathway. Encouragement. What does it come to mean in in the New Testament? Because the word was, uh, the name was given to him in a Greek-speaking New Testament fashion. So, uh, encouragement. Well, it's a neat word. Hang with me here. It, it it means to come alongside with another. So, and and that idea is is in many places it, it means i i'm i'm sitting here and i i'm crushed i'm in despair that uh, there's a certain darkness as i tried to look ahead and what is going to happen 
I need I need some help. I, I, I need someone to infuse into me some sort of life and courage. And encourage means someone comes alongside me. That is, they come where I am. They enter into what I'm going through. And they don't make a big fuss about it. Because if they did, that wouldn't be encouragement. You know those awful people that that come in and slap you on the back and say, cheer up and all that rubbish. No, that's not encouragement. That That's... Um, well, I, I leave that. The, the, the encourager just comes alongside and, and actually does not necessarily have to say anything. They are just being there. You know those times when really and truly that's what you need, someone to be there, someone that you feel their spirit is reaching out to you and they are being strength. When they would say a word, it's it's a word of exhortation. That is, it's a word that builds you up. And it doesn't have to be a long speech, and it's certainly not that pious religiosity. It's, it's that word. And the encourager is the one able to give that word. And and the word enters into your spirit, strengthens you in your inner person. And that word actually makes you strong. It's the word that enables you to be able to face life or face whatever it is that you're facing at that time. It's a word that dispels the darkness it's it's a word that speaks joy into despair and and yet and i'm saying this very deliberately it's it's not a sermon it's not a lecture it's it's what this fellow did that they remembered him by that and they kept forgetting what's his name well he's Son of encouragement. He, he's the one that encourages. Even in English, en, which is the Greek word actually for into. En. Encourage. Encourage. It means that this person has the ability to put strength into you, to impart strength. It means that this is the giving in to you of boldness. You could, you could say they called him the strength bringer or the boldness imparter. That, that's who he was. Um, he would give people the ability to stand on their feet and, and, and believe I can go on. I, I can go on. And he would come to new believers and impart into them the strength of the Holy Spirit that, that yes, you, you, you are going to grow in Christ and you are going to mature and you are going to see the fullness of this wonderful life. Encouragement, that, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's the person who can go to one who is timid in life you know, holding back, 
If you were a dog, you'd put the tail between your legs and, and, and you, you hold back. There's a lack of boldness, which is a massive word in the New Testament. We are bold to come to God. We are bold to walk in Christ. And we are bold to stand against the wiles of the devil. Boldness. Well, encouragement means that boldness is imparted to timid, worn out, burned out persons. Now, if you've heard what I've said in the last while, you you will probably have recognized that the the word that can do all of that is uh, spirit-gifted. This is the Holy Spirit working in a believer that through their words, the Holy Spirit will bring this encouragement and this boldness and this strength. Or to put it this way, it is the Holy Spirit in a believer bringing other believers to their full potential, or at least the next step toward their full potential in Christ. That the encourager has eyes to see that there's more to this person than meets the eye. That the Christ in this person, oh, where could this person go? The gifts that I see in this person. And encouragement is not only going in to impart strength, but drawing out the strength of Christ that is in that other believer who presently does not see who they are and all that Christ is in them. So you could say that the encourager is the person who just passes through life. That's why we don't hear much about Barnabas. I mean, we hear enough, but we don't hear that much because they tend to be more like Johnny Appleseed. And if you're not uh, of the U.S., then that was a fellow who just went through the countryside planting apple seeds and, and so left behind all the apple trees. That's um, it's a legend over here. And, and well, that, that's the encourager. They pass through life. They, they, they don't speak in auditoriums. You won't find them usually addressing a multitude. You find them just passing through life. And as the people that cross their path, the, the people that are with them in this moment of life, we, we've come together, then they speak that word. They, they point in that direction to Jesus in such a way that everything is changed. Life comes together. And many times when you look around to thank the encourager, he or she is gone, just on their way, planting their seeds of life, planting their words that will change the lives of all they meet. Or you could put it this way. The encourager is a person who make, they, they make a deposit of grace. Do you know what I mean? They, 
after they have left, you know they've deposited God's grace into you. After they've gone on their way, you know that there's been an infusion of life. And at the time, you really were hardly aware of it. But after they've gone, you know, something has been given to me that maybe for this moment, but many times it charts the course for many moments to come, a deposit of God's grace. And the encourager is never a person who's aware of who they are. You know, the, the, the encourager never wears a sign around their neck to say, I am Joseph, known as Barnabas the encourager. No, they don't, they don't put out a shingle because, quite frankly, they're not really aware of the extent of what they're doing. They are being themselves in Christ and they are pouring into exhausted believers all that they have discovered Christ to be. And so, as I say, many times it is simply being there. Have have you had those times when you are in such a state of, usually in this case, sorrow, um, that something has happened that has ripped you apart and really there are no words but for someone to come and be there, just be there. And you know from their being there, there's communicated to you the love of God. Sometimes their silence speaks louder than any words because their words are but the expression of a heart that has been reaching out to you all the time. I I believe that this is very uh, applicable to what what when Jesus said that he who believes on me, out of his innermost being there shall flow rivers of living water that out of this encourager, believer, there flows life to others. And then, as I say, they are content to step out of the picture and go on their way. They're not conscious of their ministry. You know what I mean? Those those people that you meet, who you've only been with them five minutes, and they're giving their resume uh, of the great ministry that they have, and how things happen when they pray, and how people. That's not the encourager. The encourager is not always looking in the mirror to see what they've done and. They're just being the presence of Jesus wherever they go. As I said, when we began to talk about this word encouragement, it's to come alongside. Or an Old Testament phrase is sit where they sit. It means to get down where the person is who is hurting. And having you see that's a heart thing 
you 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 don't put that on that that isn't something that you assume for an hour it, it is the love of god that forever is ready to give and to be with words or with silence with actions sometimes costly actions I tell you there's another word, and I don't want to confuse the two, but there's a kinship between them, and that word is compassion. Compassion has much of the same ideas. And if you remember, it's one of the key words in Jesus' life. For it says of Jesus that when he saw the sick, it says he was moved with compassion and healed them, which interestingly tells me that healing the sick, uh, the laying on of hands, God's healing power is not some nuclear explosive power. It's love that from the heart reaches out to the sick. Um, And similarly, when he saw that the people were beaten by religion and were uh, in a state uh, almost of having been mugged by religion. It says he was moved with compassion and taught them. And so, again, it was not simply that he was a great speaker. It was that love came through his words. Love came through and healed. Compassion. As I say, it's got many of the similar ideas um, because compassion is seeing with God's eyes of love. Uh, it's, It's feeling God's feelings about the person who is hurting in whichever way they are. And as I think I've told you before, the word compassion, it's a very, very ancient word. It comes from... Um, pagans actually as they took the intestines and liver and kidneys of the sacrificed animal and they lifted the handfuls of the innards of the animal as an offering to their gods and that that heap of innards um the intestines and and everything else that they held in their hands became known as the compassions and it came into language to describe when your very innards are moved with love when when there's a certain anguish when there's a certain anger that this person shall not shall not stay in this condition i must and i will move in love to do and bring them out of it compassion and it's interesting that paul used that word to describe his feelings toward those he ministered to in philippians chapter one he says that he feels toward the philippian people with the compassions of Jesus Christ. So you're back again, the Holy Spirit, the love of God in you moving out to others so that you feel this love, you speak this word, yet it's not I, it is Christ who loves, Christ who compassions, Christ 
who speaks. Uh, that, that's all this word. Now, I think I've said this, but I really want to emphasize it. This is not speaking at people. See, there are some things I've said that I, I recognize you could possibly think I mean a sort of a Christian pep rally. I mean, here you are, you're discouraged and you're down, you don't see the way ahead, you don't think you're going to make it whatever, and then the encourager comes in and lifts you up and you begin to move forward. Well, that's no, no, it's not a pep rally. No, this is not aggressive. This is not coming at people. Um, This, I'll tell you what this is. This is believing in the Holy Spirit being at work in another believer. Let, Let me say that again. This is very important. This is seeing. This is with inside eyes. You you see, or you, maybe a better word, you believe in the Holy Spirit at work in a believer who looks naturally to be so down and so out and so confused that many would say, I wonder if they are believers at all. But you believe in the Holy Spirit that he who has begun a good work in this believer is going to complete that work. And it's out of that belief in the Holy Spirit and that love for the person which is communicated to the person, sometimes in silence. They they feel your faith in in the Spirit's work in them. They they feel the love. That's what it is. And, of course, that can only happen Because you know that yourself. You have experienced the Holy Spirit at work in you. And if you think far back enough, whenever that has happened, there's been other believers who believed in the Holy Spirit at work in you. That there were other believers who who they encouraged by prayer, they encouraged with a word that they were your encourager. And and now you see the Holy Spirit is at work in you, (laughs) never quits. And therefore, when you see others, you can believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in them. Look, we, we always see... I mean, heart see who we are. Have you noticed that? I mean, negatively, Jesus said, um, you know, about the, the fellow who comes to investigate the speck of sawdust that is in your eye, while all the time there's a jolly telephone pole in his eye. You remember that illustration Jesus gave? Why, why does he see specks of dust in, or specks of sawdust in your eye? Because he's got millions of bits of sawdust in his own eye. 
The, the two are really one, but that's another message. But, okay, uh, I, many years ago, it was neither here nor there, but I, I was with three persons, and we were looking at a pasture, quite a decent-sized pasture, and there were trees on it. It was very picturesque. And, and the one fellow was an artist, and he began to look at that pasture and began to size it with his fingers and began to say how many pictures he could paint and draw from the scenery before him. But the one next to him was a builder, developer, and he, I don't think he even heard what the artist was saying, he was too involved in in his own mind, planning out streets and subdivisions, and uh, he was building a little town there. The other chap was an old farmer, and he was working out what he could grow there, a field here and a field there, and so on. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because he was an artist, all he saw this was a potential for pictures. Because he was a developer, this was potential for houses and businesses. And because he was a farmer, he saw wheat and barley. We see who we are. We see. And the encourager is the person who looks at another and sees in that other what God sees. Oh, can Lord help me be this person to, to look at a believer and see in that believer what God sees, to think God's thoughts with him about that believer, to dream God's dreams for this other believer. Imagine with God the potential of this believer, or to put it another way, to see that other believer for who they truly are in Christ, even if they don't know it yet. And with the love of God, to see that believer in process of becoming who they are. And to pray that that become so and to speak a word if prompted by the Spirit, and to let your faith and your love reach to be a helper of their faith. And in all your thoughts and prayers and words concerning them, they are governed by he who has begun a good work in this believer will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. That, that, that's, that's this. You see, I say again, this, this is not addressing the multitude, but it's those that are in our pathway, sometimes in our pathway for a decent amount of time, day after day. Other times we meet them and they're gone. But what, what are we leaving? What are we planting what are we speaking? That, that's, that's the encourager, you see. 
The encourager is more to be compared to the chap we call the Good Samaritan, who gives himself to someone who potentially was very definitely his enemy, dangerous enemy actually, and, and, and gave himself and then went on his way before the fellow really came to a state of health where he could thank him. That's the encourager, good Samaritan. The good, uh, the rather, the encourager would be likened to the shepherd who went into the wilderness and found the sheep because he saw the potential of that sheep and he was not going to let it get away. The encourager is the woman who will move everything to find the one coin that's lost. The encourager... Yeah, really so. Like the father who flung his arms around the neck of his son who was in such a state that no decent person would go near him. But the father looked right through all of that, looked through the rags and the smell and stench of pigs, and he said, you are my son. That's encouragement. No one else would have said that. No one expected Jesus to describe a father who would say that. But Jesus was describing the encourager. And, of course, (laughs) of, of all these things that we might say about believers, have you ever realized this? God himself calls himself the God of all comfort or encouragement. God God says, this is what I'm like. This is who I am. And isn't he? Has he not done this in our lives? This is the God who is the God of all encouragement. And remember, the word comes originally from the Hebrew root word for love. Yes, that's our God. As far back as David, Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, they comfort or encourage me. One of the great statements of the Old Testament had always been the word of God that said, be of good courage. That's this same idea here. And the word for encourage is almost the same as the word paraclete, which is the word Jesus gave to the Holy Spirit, so that we call the Holy Spirit the comforter, the encourager. And all of our comfort, our encouragement that we give to others comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who, who is this, our strength to strengthen others. That, that Jesus said, after the Holy Spirit has come, you will receive power and be witnesses to me. But we could talk a lot about that. But um, that, that's speaking not about doing witnessing, of stuffing papers and booklets into people's hands, but it says, be witnesses be that that is your very heart your lifestyle your behavior your actions your words your attitude be 
witnesses, and we should never have translated that word. The word in the Greek language there, the Greek word is martyr. That is someone who is not just spouting words, but they are being, this is who they are to the point then they might lose their life over it. Well, it says the Holy Spirit is that power that we be this person, this God-lover, God-encourager. It's the Holy Spirit. That, that's who he is, and he is that in us. You see, when God, who is the God of all comfort, when the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, the encourager, the strengthener, the empowerer, when he would strengthen us and other believers, he does that through a believer. I, I don't know if we've really caught on to that. We, we pray and we talk sometimes as if there's going to be these zaps from heaven. No, it, that, that's not God's M.O. He doesn't just zap out of nowhere. Let me say this very plainly. If there is going to be a move of the Holy Spirit in any person, in any area, in any body of believers, there will be believers who will be the way in which that comes to pass. It doesn't just wham out of heaven comes through believers. And if the Lord is going to comfort you, strengthen you, encourage you, it will in some way come through another believer or believers. People will pray for you and you will never know about it. Maybe never, maybe years pass. But always someone is there and sometimes you can name the person. You know the person who came to sit where you sat, to be where you were. And they were the love of God to you. But that, that's the way it is. That there's a passage in the Old Testament, which I, I hesitated to introduce it because it, it almost demands time for itself, but it's talking about this, and it, it's too good just to leave it out. So it's in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 32. And it, it's speaking of Jesus. And almost everybody will readily admit that. It says, and I'm quoting now, Isaiah 32, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness. I've heard that preached on. I've heard people say plainly, that's Jesus. And it is Jesus. But everybody leaves out the other half. It says, behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule with him. And then he goes on to describe hear me, the joint rule of the king and the princes. And let me tell you right now, 
This does describe Jesus, but it describes the entire New Testament, which says that you are in him, and he is in you, and you are seated with him in the heavens, and you on this earth act in his name as his personal representative. I'm talking to the princes who rule with him. Now it goes on to describe the ministry of Jesus, what Jesus does, but also what we do who are in him, we do who are his body on the earth. It says, a man. And in our world, we, we should say, a man, a woman, will be as a hiding place from the wind, a cover from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Can you hear me? This was Barnabas. Barnabas was to countless persons. He was a hiding place from the wind. You say, but that's what Jesus is. When I'm tormented by the winds of trouble, Jesus is my hiding place. Yes, but Jesus' work on this earth is through his body, through believers, And it was believers praying, a word that a believer spoke, that the presence of a believer at that time. Yeah, Jesus was there, but he was there in another believer who became to you a hiding place from the wind, that a person became to you a cover, a shelter from the tempest, Somebody became a tornado shelter for you. Now, it says, the encourager is that cover. That they they can cover you. That they, they've been there. They've discovered the strength of God in a situation like this, and they can carry you through. They bear your burden. They're encouragers. They're rivers of water in a dry place. Have you ever felt that you're drained dry of life? You're just a dusty riverbed. And then, in the way that I've continually said uh, this evening, um, somebody was the means by which the river of life, the Holy Spirit, flowed into your life. Huh the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. When the sun beats down, somebody is there to shelter you with prayer, holding up your hands, being there. I, I, I suppose over the years, you know, um, you hear a lot, and, and some things, um, they stick because they annoy you so much. Well, one of my pet peeves from people who just don't get this, you know, I, how many times is is, is, is pointless saying on a certain, uh, this has happened so many times. Someone 
will sing a song. And the blessing that pours through that song, someone will speak a testimony, speak a word, speak a message, do something, whatever. And in every case, the blessing of God, the presence of the Spirit flows through and... And you go to them afterward and you say, thank you so much for that song. It was such a blessing. And they, they ruin it. They look at you with that silly religious face and say, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And I have said to them more than once, I'm, I'm sorry. I could have sworn it was you up there. Yeah. Are we stupid? Have we totally missed what the scripture says, have we missed the grand purpose of God? His purpose in the beginning was that he would join himself to us. That's what the incarnation is. God became human. He took to himself authentically, fully, and finally our humanity. That's God's purpose. And the Holy Spirit now comes upon that humanity. And then he says that we, all of us, should be joined into that humanity and share in his spirit. We are not spectators who watch God do something. God doesn't stand on a platform and sing a solo. A human does. But a human so joined with him that for them to sing is for God to bless me. For you to speak is for me to be encouraged. And we, we miss the whole point when we say it wasn't me. Of course it was you. That's the grace of God. That's the glory of God that he's made manifest in clay pots. When you say what you said, bless me, I say thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I got kind of worked up there. But that, that, that's the point. This is the encourager. The, the encourager is the lung of the body of Christ. You don't see my lungs. I hope you'll never see my lungs. But it's my lungs that bring oxygen, air to all of my organs, and I can function. If my lungs go, everything goes. Though you never see them, they're just quietly working away right at this moment. The, or or you, you could say the encourager is the wind under the wings of believers who are learning to fly. They are the people who speak the truth in love. They speak the right word in the right way and the right tone at the right time, in the right place, all in the power, the presence, the strength, the ability of the Holy Spirit. And the strength that the one they speak to needs is mediated to them. This, you know, the what, I, what I've discovered, especially in the last, what, 30 years, is, is that 
Very few people want to be a Barnabas. It wouldn't be Paul. It settled for Peter. You know, Billy Graham would be in style. What, what, what is it? Nobody wants to be Barnabas. When I have lectured in Bible schools, I've oftentimes asked them, well, what's your vision? Well, what are you going to do when you leave this Bible school? Do you know, it's almost 100%. They, 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 they want a worldwide ministry. Or if they're going to be a pastor, they always say they're going to pastor a mega church, the biggest church in... Does anybody want to be a Barnabas who may indeed pastor a mega church? But they'll pastor a mega church with a love for every individual. They don't go into the wilderness to bring back a flock of sheep. They go for the one sheep that is lost. That's Barnabas. Barnabas is the one who's ready to step aside because he sees the potential in another. Barnabas. I, I think, you know, something has happened to, well, a lot of people. It's not just, I was going to say our youth, but it's to a lot of people. It's this idea, I've got to be famous We've got this idea, at least, I mean, I'm speaking now of the modern culture, got this idea that if enough people like me, dare I say, adore me, then I will be loved and I'll be fulfilled. And therefore, I want to be famous so that everybody sees me and everybody loves me. And so that a group of 10-year-olds was asked just uh, months ago, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they all said, famous. And they didn't care how they became famous as long as everybody knew they existed, as if my existence depends on someone knowing my existence as if my worth and my substance is because other people say I have worth. And people seem to think ministry is, as long as everybody says what a great ministry he has, then he must have a great ministry. Instead of recognizing ministry is something that the Holy Spirit does and you are rarely aware of what's happening. Barnabas Barnabas is the love of God in action. And however many one day you might minister to, it's because you learned to encourage one by one by one. And maybe you never will speak to more than 10 people. Maybe you'll never speak to more than a person at a time. It doesn't matter because Barnabas is the person who has that foundational, that which is inherent in the words of Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. It is going through my daily life. Barnabas, for the most part, was a businessman. 
where he met people, he left the imprint. Like a great ship, the wake followed him. And so they knew him by his nickname. And everybody seemed to forget his real name. So go into your life. Start your day with a prayer something like today, Lord, in, in my silence, in the way I look at people, in all the words that I may speak, let your strength be imparted to everyone who is in my path. Give to me your eyes to see the potential of Christ in, the Spirit working in, the persons that you place in my path. And then, having prayed that, forget it and plunge into your day to be yourself in Christ. Because I think I, I've, I've made it plain. The very worst thing could be that you are suddenly aware that you are God's gifted encourager to the world. No, forget it. Just be the old clay pot you gloriously are and the treasure within you will spill over and your world will know an encourager passed through their midst. And now the blessing of God who is love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, may He encourage you that you in Him, by His Spirit, may encourage your world. So I bless you and declare you blessed. Amen.